funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. We deserve this win, man. Fox Sports 5 flying high in Motown. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, and then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like that's that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Bryant West on here as we always do. What's going on, Bryant? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, excited to welcome back our friends and uh, draft encyclopedia, Nate Miller. How you doing, Nate? Good, good. I'm just, uh, I'm actually, it feels crazy that this weekend, just catching up on, up on all the uh, the Instagram story, uh, listening that all of King's Twitter <laughs> is doing. And I'm at this point, I'm surprised there's not some Kings fan that's just hanging out in Doko. Somebody could like get a whole bunch of Kings uh, Twitter followers just by doing that really quickly. Um, I tweeted this earlier today. It is absolutely hilarious to me that the Kings decided we're not going to broadcast these workouts at all. And they're kind of leaving it up to Kings Twitter to generate all of the uh, draft excitement around these dudes and, and like, dive deep into each Instagram picture to see if somebody else is hiding in the background. It's so, so. weird. It's, I, I, I guess it's, they just don't want another data point out there for um, maybe, maybe second round and like camp invites, but those players, it's going to get out there. It's, it's weird. It's just, you can't hide these things. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, at least the big names are getting out. So you can't hide Crocs in a bucket hat at <laughs> six, at six ten. No hiding. <laughs> so, Nate, I want to. We're going to talk a lot in this episode about uh, 39th pick and some potential names that Sacramento could, should consider there. Um, but we haven't talked to you about pick nine, even. Um, we haven't had you on in this cycle, which um, is crazy to think. And I'm sure we'll have you on again before the draft happens. But um, we are very pro Moody and Wagner at nine on this podcast. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do, at least for myself, of just wanting to take a more um, safe pick that I, I see as a high level starter in the league rather than like potential superstar sort of thing, which I think there's some of those options at nine. But I think that's just what my preference comes down to. And that's why I lean Moody and Wagner um, starting, I guess. How do you feel about those two guys at nine? Yeah, I was trying to think back of the polling I was doing too, and it seemed very clear that uh, the Kings fans love uh, Moses Moody. And then uh, Jalen Johnson was a surprise to me. Uh, and I'm trying to think who the third option was. I can't remember if it was, I don't, I think it was Zaire. Um, but um, so I think that is all because of Bryant, just so you know, all three of those <laughs> names, all three I of those gonna names. I was going to say, yeah, I could they're be pretty wrong. much back to back to back in my big board. Yeah. So I think just like the framing off of how he's doing that polling, I think 
I think the consensus six uh, are just highly unlikely that they're not going to be there mm-hmm. um, unless one of these players is bombing interviews, uh, I, which is nothing we're ever going to know. And so it, you know, Wagner, Giddy, Moody, or uh, the next on my composite board. I like Moody uh, personally a lot. Just um, you know, he's not as tall as Franz, but he's he's long, incredibly productive at Arkansas. Um, you know, I think there are some concerns with his on-ball creation, limited bursts, and and at rim finishing is an area that needs to improve, but. He does have a, just a wildly good wingspan, and it's it's hard to forget that you know he's still a fresh freshman. So his shooting was strong, scoring strong. Just generally like him. I like Franz a lot. I think um, you know obviously his biggest concern is his ability to create for himself. Um, is he going to be a big time scorer, or is he just going to be a guy that floats you know somewhere between you know eleven and sixteen points a game and just good shooting? Um, you know, creating events. I've seen all, I feel like I've seen all of the comps from, from Rocco to AK 47. And uh, I don't really know, but uh, which is the best fit. I mean, I, I do liked, uh, you know, I felt like it was underselling him even to just think Rocco um, auto border bridges, Okiki kind of out there as comps. Um, I think Kings fans would love him. I think he's getting knocked a little bit as a, is an international player that that missed a just a lot of shots in the in the tourney but um he's basically as young as a freshman so if you just looked at his numbers and production as a freshman um you'd be really happy with him he is uh not too much older you know than than a lot of uh good really good prospects i'm not sure giddy's going to be the guy um but i would like him too and those are like probably my favorite three going into really a data deep dive. And I'll, I'll admit that I, I am, I, I'm slowly becoming a really big fan of Sangoon. Got to admit that. <laughs> I was just about to say, man, that's three uh, wings and forwards. I think we're going to agree there. And then you uh, had to go uh, big man. Yeah. And, and I have a, I have a reason when I think about who the Kings could pair number nine and number 30, uh, 39 with about why I like Sungoon. And it, it, it's weirdly just um, there. I don't feel like there's a lot of big men in this draft that are, have star potential. And uh, I think most of the big men in the, in that you'll get in the second round are really based on what kind of schemes, what kind of fit, what you're expecting out of your centers. Um and I think that there might be some wings later on that might give you, if not Goody, Moody's uh, production, something similar. I think that's fair. There's especially a, if you just look at uh, how mock boards are going, and of course, never just take any mock draft for uh, gospel, but there are going to be a whole bunch of wings and forwards in that second round. I know Brendan always makes that point. So, um, there's definitely going to be a, a, an interesting, if the Kings decide that they are going to take both picks nine and 39, which of course they could trade at any given moment. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they prioritize both um, positional talent and immediate impact versus project player upside. So, And for what it's worth, it kind of seems like the players that are the best fits for Golden State and Orlando are not necessarily 
the players that the Kings would want. So I could, I, I see a high likelihood that Moody's there. It's just a question of if that's, if that's the player that they want. I agree with you, but like expand on that a little bit. Who are the guys that you think Orlando and Golden State would look towards? Well, it seems like Davion Mitchell, his name is attached to Golden State a lot because he's a you know, strong defender, immediate contributor, just a hard worker. Probably doesn't seem like he's going to be that hard to coach. Would just really um, be happy to be surrounded by such championship level talent. And then, frankly, for me, I, I just like Giddy to the Warriors and playing in that uh, Sean Livingston role, just really just having another big creator that can keep setting Steph Curry up, hit constant threes for the next three to five years. Um, other than that, you know, it, it, it's those really seem like the best fits for the for the Warriors to me or, or what's aligned. And then with Orlando, I just really don't know what they're going to do. Um, I think Barnes feels like a really great fit for seven. Um, I mean, if for, for five, if he's there and then it just seems like you go with a different kind of position, uh, book night, uh, explosive score. I know they have a lot of guards that are really big time scorers. Um, but again, they could also go the other direction, something that kind of aligns with their front office and just a super athletic player like Jalen Johnson or Keon Johnson. Uh, maybe they they go wild with a center again and go Kai Jones. I don't think that's likely, but they have loved really athletic, long players. And and Moody is definitely long, but um, he might be smaller than 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 what they're looking for. Um, maybe just not, um, you know, maybe not have the wiggle that they would want. I I, I don't know. I would couldn't know, but um, it just it just kind of feels like the murmurs are are, are showing that that Moody could be there. I can yeah. only hope. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a good chance for sure. Um, before we move to 39, would you consider, is this a draft where you would consider trading down? Like let's throw out the typical nine for 16 and 18, right? I, I, I think it would take uh, a lot of confidence in, in, in fit and development. I think my favorite combo is, is Garuba and Zaire. And yes, you are on. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. you're on the rush podcast <laughs> or Springer and, and Garuba. Oh, yeah. And just I think Garuba has um, I don't think he's just a center. I think he's uh, kind of a face up um, big forward. Um, just he's just such a good defender. And he you know, when you're playing EuroLeague as a young player, you are comfortable around teammates with more experience um, I, I like the OG Ananobi comp for him. Zaire gives the one of the rare unicorn uh, kind of like plays that you might not get production out of him until year two. Um, but if you have another immediate contributor already, then I think you have a little bit uh, defending defending you. You don't. I don't think you'll get as many fans angry. Um, so. I could see that trade down working and Springer uh, obviously I, I, you know, there were reports that he had had um, maybe a, a, a ankle sprain during the season that affected his lift and, you know, his speed and he's, he's performing well in workouts. So I know there's a lot of uh, draft Twitter fans of Springer and he probably has the biggest, one of the bigger ranges among one of the perimeter players uh, that are young. Um, 
you know, it, it I, I like it. I think it would just, it would tell you, it would, it would probably tell you more about the confidence that the, that the front office has than actual and support than maybe anything else. I, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. But your GM of the Kings and you get a call right now, nine for 16 and 18, are you doing it or no? I guess it also depends on who has gone above first. Before nine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and how these work, you know, uh, we've heard different rumors about how Halliburton fail, fell. And, and if there is confidence from agents telling you, yeah, I think I, I don't believe my player is going to be picked above uh, or my and or my player wants you wants to be on your team, then I, maybe you do it. You're a professional at dodging this, this question. right? <laughs> <laughs> I do work um, in the media. So, yeah. There's a lot of nuance to it, though. Um, Bryant, I think there's, you know, there's always guys that fall, right? Especially when you're talking later in a draft, um, falling into the early second round. Like, I think Xavier Tillman is a guy that fell further than some expected last year. Who are guys that you don't think um, will make it to 39, but slight chance they will. And if they do, you would want the Kings to snag them up. Yeah, I kind of think that that is pretty much my entire list of dudes I'm interested in at 39. <laughs> when I keep like looking at it, it's like, um, you know, Nate and I were talking about this off camera. Jeremiah Robertson Earl from uh, Villanova is probably one of my favorites. If he falls, I know that he is getting some first round buzz um, and I'm going to definitely have him in the first rounders. So it wouldn't surprise me if he goes, but um, just his... Uh, He's a pretty good two-way player, but I also think he's sneakily one of the better uh, floor spacing bigs, even though he only shot, I think it was like 28% from three this year. Um, but just pretty much really decent stats across the board, led a decent Villanova team uh, in success the last two years. So I think he's one of my favorites. But then you just go down the list. Like we've talked about Kessler Edwards a little bit. I'd love him at 39 if JT Thor has any chance of falling to 39 and I don't think it's likely he'd probably be my favorite. Um, but you know, just Josh Christopher, Trey Murphy, um, Isaiah Todd, I guess, uh, Jared Butler to me, if you want a veteran at 39, if he's there, like, I think he brings a lot of the intangibles that Davion Mitchell will bring to his team, but we'll probably go like 30 picks later. <laughs> so um, I, there's definitely a big, uh, big bunch of dudes that, uh, I would think have first round grades or borderline first round grades that one of them will be there at 39. Uh, so it's kind of just up in the air there, but I know that Nate has a, uh, much deeper, uh, awareness of all of these, uh, second round dudes than I ever could. Yeah. I think, um, it, it's interesting because a lot of those names, the, uh, you mentioned are players that if they're there, if they fall, then I think it's a really good fit, fit. And, you know, I think you say a name and if someone's been reading mocks, they might uh, look at you like that guy's definitely not going to be there. But when you just really actually take the time to do mocks and just look at the basic facts of between the Kings two picks, the thunder will pick four times. Uh, and clearly <laughs> they Jesus are not going to keep all of those picks. <laughs> no um, way. you know, the Rockets have two late, late first at the moment. Um, the Pelicans, I think have like maybe five picks in the whole draft. 
you know, so there, I think there's going to be moving around and I'd imagine that there's going to be teams trading up just to get their guy. And sometimes that might push down a younger, more experienced player or, or, you know, just any sorts of players. So a lot of those names were the same, same names. I'm thinking if they're there, I want Williams, Murphy, probably Prochett, Rocco or Thor. Um, and I think it also really goes back to just who do you think is going to be on this team and how do you think you can balance immediate contributions with production? And so uh, I would imagine just based on what they're drafting, and I don't think you draft around these, but I think you need to be cognizant of these players uh, is Ramsey and Woodard, for example. And so I think you're not going to see the Kings probably draft a two guard with that second pick because you just want to have some time for Ramsey to show uh, whatever he can show in Stockton, at least as long as also Buddy Heels on the team. Um, and I think with Woodard too, uh, if you're looking at maybe, if you could just call him maybe a, a three, four or a four, three, you know, he, can, I think he can play both those positions. So I think it's going to be really hard if, if uh, to draft another wing that is more muscly, maybe not as uh, you know, as much of a, uh, lateral mover and to expect that you're going to really develop them well. Um, and so for me, you know, I was looking at the roster too, and it's like, you know, Fox is going to be there, you know, Hallie's going to be there and you're really not sure the rest, I think. So you go, let's say you go with Moody. I think you're probably going to maybe want a good, a good big. And that's why Jeremiah Robertson Earl was the player that I've started to think is a really good fit if he's available. I don't see that much depth after yeah. after him uh, among uh, a guy that's not a center. Uh, that's definitely a big forward that you could probably get some minutes out of. Um, there's other players I like later on, maybe a Justin Champagny, a uh, undrafted player would be Justin Smith, who also played at Arkansas. But but mostly, you know, they're they're not there. So if the Kings don't, really kind of shore up even just their rotation uh, backup big men rate rotation. They're going to be in a tough spot defending uh, bigger players. Um, I'm also looking at, you know, what's the future with a, with a Louis King or Justin James, or you keep them around. And so again, keeping those players, which might be smart is going to be tough to develop them. If you go with, uh, you know, another wing. Now let's say they go with Sangoon um, up top and uh, Sacramento goes wild you know, you're, you're going to look for, you're going to probably look for a wing. I think it's a little comfort, a little more comfortable. And my favorite guy on the wing with the second pick, and maybe you just draft him anyway with Moody is Aaron Henry out of Michigan state. And, you know, he, I think he took a drop in his three point range this year. He was just shooting about 29%. But one of the things that stuck out to me, and I don't have any like evidence of this, but he actually shined as a, um, as a long two shooter. So like floaters, uh, mid-range shots, he, he shot 46%, which is pretty good for his position. He's also, he's got very similar measurements to Moody. He is also a stocks monster. Uh, he's older. You can expect a lot out of him. Uh, uh, we all remember him and, uh, him and coach yelling at each other. So he's fiery. I, he's just, he's slowly become one of my favorite wings that I have no idea where else he could go. Like I could see him going as high to Memphis in the first um, just because they, you know, they definitely love analytics and, uh, and take into account those sort of things. 
Um, and he's also, you know, even though he took a drop in three point shooting this year, he really showed himself as a strong creator and just having another guy who is not, it's not going to be a ball stopper really be beneficial for this team. I'm assuming when you were going through the big men, you didn't mention Luca Garza because he's like going to be off the board by 39. So <laughs> I, I'm telling you when I look at, so I have my own non non-finished big board and I'm looking at centers and it's just, it's just, it just depends on what your team wants to run. You know, like there's legitimately oh God, about 10 centers that could go in this draft, but some of it is also just, you don't know what their production means. Like, yep. you know, you had one center at Utah state, another Western Kentucky one at, you know, in, you know, a uh, Philip Petrusive in, you know, in Serbia uh, or at mega, also, Santi Aldama at Loyola, you know, and Eve Pons is probably better set to play tight end for the 49ers than to play professional basketball. <laughs> you know, uh, Baji, Onu, you know, so one playing in, uh, in, uh, at Barcelona, another playing at, uh, in, in IA. But did you I, see Jericho Sims is clutch pro day? I mean, come on. Well, Jericho <laughs> Sims, I do like him a lot. And I, yeah. I would not be surprised if they just say, it and if we if the team i hate using we but if the team can resign rashawn holmes and just just teach him the push shot like a couple of the centers that are if you're about six nine just add in a push shot if you can somehow do that then i think that's he'll he'll be as rich as rashawn yeah i i as i was watching more and more texas tape for a kai jones uh, profile that's going to be out in the next couple of days i was more impressed with Jericho Sims and I remember he seems like that dude how many years has he been at Texas like three years now um and he always just seemed like that dude who coasted along on athleticism um but I was pretty dang impressed uh with his defense at the very least so I wouldn't mind him at 39 um the other center that really kind of catches my eye as I watch more is uh Nemus Keita I think that's how you say his first name um, from uh, Utah State, and uh, I know he's also a favorite of uh, our buddy Tony. Um, 14.9 points a game, 10.1 rebounds, 3.3 blocks, clearly a rim protector, uh, in no way a floor spacer, so you're not getting him to do much on offense except uh, rebound, crash through the glass, maybe do some pick and roll, but like if the Kings go for um, – like if Alperin said goons at nine, I wouldn't mind taking a, a, an actual rim protector uh, at 39. I guess that would be kind of hard to walk out of the draft without a winger forward because just, <laughs> you know, my, my philosophy is just get way too many wings and forwards and figure it out that. later. But I don't hate it. I just yeah, want... Yeah, was one of the better passers too. Use that, like a little part of the game that, that he just developed his junior year. He's, he's positive assist mm -hmm. turnover ratio. It's a, uh, it's not, it's, it's a sub on the assist percentage to usage percentage, but for a center, he's not a ball stopper. Yeah. He's a little stiff, but he's, he's, but it's, again, it's that, it's that strength of competition and he hasn't seemed to have gotten a, a lot of buzz, even though he was, he played pretty well at the combine. I think. I'm with Bryant where I, want as many wings as possible like i i think uh center if it was uh 
Tillman type of, you know, ready backup center, I think would be great. Um, but I, I also think that the opinion of uh, centers you can sign in Sacramento's fan base might be a little jaded because they just keep signing not actually <laughs> replacement level big men when like, you know, there's all this preaching going on. And I am definitely one of those people that like big men are very replaceable, you know, replaceable level big men are available every off season. You know, I think Gorgie Dang, Daniel Tice, Nerlens Noel, not very expensive. Right. But instead we're, we're getting Damian Jones, uh, Hassan Whiteside, Willie Colley Stein for the longest time. So like, I, I do think that role is, is replaceable. And I think that the yeah. team should do a better job in free agency, getting a backup big. Um, we but, used up all, we used up all our center luck on Rashawn Holmes. Let's be real. Like we signed <laughs> the one replacement level center yeah. who was actually a top 15 center. Yeah. They, they hit on that one. You're right. I shouldn't skip over that. Um, but I, I want as many wings as possible. Like they had to bring in Baysmore. They had to bring in Harkless. Um, I, I think that Woodard can step into the Harkless role and Harkless got more minutes than I think any of us probably wanted last year. Um, but I, I think Woodard can step into that. And I think you just get as many versatile wings as possible. I, I think that's kind of what the league is trending towards. Um, uh, and yeah, Fox and Halliburton are your primary ball handlers. I think that they are, you know, pretty much your entire offense. And like, you, you want other players that are complimentary on offense as well. Um, and just kind of like well-rounded, I, I think of like good in plenty of aspects, but not great in any. Um, and I, I personally want a defensive um, plus and ideally, you know, somewhat of a difference maker. And I think like disruptor on that end. And I think there's a couple guys um, that could potentially be there at 39, you know, um, you mentioned Henry. I think Edwards is interesting. Josh Christopher could be that guy, um, a little bit smaller. Um, who's the other one I'm missing out on? Herbert Jones is yep. interesting to me. Um, yeah. But how often, how often to know. you, uh, Nate, do these guys that are projected as like the safer picks, right? They go in early second sort of range, late first. How often do they actually end up being safe and contributing early on? Like I, I think of uh, Grant Williams didn't pan out great, and that has a lot to do with size not translating well. But for different various reasons, you know, Tillman worked out well his first year. Um, but how safe really are these like safe uh, later multiple year college guys? Yeah, I think I think you just need to see that they have had a track record of of growth. But I also think it's it's on you to have a strong development system, and um, yeah, Herb Jones, uh, he is also one of my favorites. I know he needs to still develop a shot, but um, I think and there's an idea I've been I've been thinking about a lot about how how strong it would be to uh, scoop up as many wings as you can, but also um, really target um, high level uh, point guards that you're probably not going to give um, NBA minutes to for whatever reason, probably height issues that are just really good at setting these, setting these guys up and, you know, just making sure that they develop as strong shooters. A couple of the three that I like a lot, uh, Jose Alvarado, Ja'Cory McLaughlin and Colby Ross. I don't, I, I don't feel confident that 
any of the three are going to be long-term NBA players, at least the first and the third, just for height issues generally and, and, and some defense con- defensive concerns, Colby Ross. But I have thought a lot about just like, that might make a lot of sense. You just pay them a lot more than that they would make and just say like, this is kind of what we want out of you. We're also going to see what we can, you know, you know, just see, 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 maybe we believe more than other teams. And, but we really want you here as a high character uh, team development kind of guy. And, and maybe that's, and maybe that's the way around it. I think you to probably answer your question better. You, I think you need to compare players by kind of archetype and also look at, do they excel in any area? And if they don't excel in any area, that that's probably a red flag. Um, and then general, look at some kind of athleticism questions, some measurement questions. Um, are they, are they too floor bound? Do they never get up and dunk? Do they have a poor rebounding percentage? Um, you know, do they foul too much? Uh, you know, little things like that. Those are probably a little bit better cues on than, than other things. Uh, you know, what was their, um, how much does their production align with a smaller role? And I think that's probably a big issue with, you know, your favorites, um, Luca Garza, right? Like, can he do that? <laughs> Not my that favorite for what minutes? it's worth. No. It was definitely <laughs> yeah. a joke for what it's worth, but yes. Yeah. yeah. No negative uh, defensive standards. <laughs> um, as, a, as a fan of a WCC team, uh, I can safely say that I love the idea of uh, getting a Colby Ross on an undrafted free agent contract just and being like, Hey, I don't know that you'll ever play a minute in Sacramento, but uh, please hang out in Stockton and uh, just work with every dude that we're going to run through our developmental system. Cause uh, he was one of the more uh, fantastic playmakers and clutch dudes. I think I've watched in the WCC over the last couple of years. Um when we're speaking of archetypes, I, I, I kind of keep sharing this point on Twitter. So I figured I'd bring it up here. Um, and, and of course I'm going to use this point to disparage uh, Corey Kispert, but we know that Kings worked him out. Um, and, and it just keeps coming to my head. Like I know that Corey Kispert is the best shooter in this draft class. I know there's going to be some people who argue it. I'm not going to argue that point. I think he is for sure. Um, and I mean, I have him at like 20th on my big board, so I'm not even going to say that. I think he is undeserving of a first round grade. But if you're sitting at number nine and you're Sacramento and Monty McNair says, I absolutely need to leave this draft with a top end shooting prospect. To me, I think there's a value in not taking Corey Kispert and looking deeper at like 39 for those kind of shoot high shooter outcome dudes. Um, you know, we talked about Kessler Edwards. He's probably not going to be there. Neither is probably Trey Murphy, but his teammate Sam Hauser probably is going to be there. Um, Matthew Hurt seems like a guy who could be there. Um, Joe Wieskamp got so much buzz out of after the combine. So maybe he's now a dude who could be in real consideration for number 39. So, you know, I think if shooting is a thing you definitely want to leave this draft with, there are going to be guys in the second round who could really help out there again, like you were talking earlier uh, at a discount compared to a first round grade. 
Um, do you agree with me on that, or am I just massively underrating uh, um, Kispert once again? I think he's, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a lot of my metrics. He's clearly one of the best shooters. I mean, he, he's clearly the best shooter in this draft, um, just also because of the versatility. I know there are Trey Murphy fans out there, but, um, you know, and he, his shot profile is really interesting because it's it's majority dunks and threes, and, and that's pretty nice. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't feel like that's the biggest need for the team. Um, even if even if Kispert is the, everybody's favorite Joe Harris comp, just think if that's that's what we left this year with, like or, or this offseason with. If the Kings just acquired Joe Harris, I just don't think Kings fans would be super excited. Like that would feel underwhelming. Oh. See, I like that point because I feel like so many Kings fans that I talk to are like, well, yeah, he could be Joe Harris, and they say it as if it's like. I mean, I don't want to disparage Joe Harris. He's clearly a good NBA player. He makes a fantastic NBA team better by his gravity and presence. But, you know, it, having a, a di- another dynamic shooter to me is not something I'm going to prioritize on this roster at this moment. Yeah, I think this is the Kings' really good chance to get a third best player on the team. And... Corey Kispert feels like he would be the fourth best player on a good team. <laughs> if that, honestly. <laughs> Ouch. To, yeah. to, to me, anyway. That I felt the same thing like throughout this season, that this draft was the way to get your third best player. And ideally, like your second best player, you know, um, but obviously they didn't end up with that draft pick. And I kind of think at nine, um, I, I don't know. So like, I, I'm surprised that, you know, is, is Moody a guy you view as like a ceiling of a third best player or, or Wagner on a, on a legitimate playoff team? On a legitimate playoff team? Uh, I don't know. Because I think is there's it, swings think, you could take to be your second, third best player, right? Like I guess like if you yep. feel a way about Shingun or Zaire um, a little lower, you know, depending how you feel about Keon Johnson, things like that. Um, but that's kind of where I'm back to like, I think that this is one of their best opportunities to get that caliber of player. But I also think that they just need high quality starters. And I feel pretty confident that Moody and Wagner are going to be that. So I'd rather just go that direction. Yeah. And I think the nice thing about both, both options is they're still young. So (laughs) it's, it kind of, sometimes I think the discourse is like, Oh, well, they're nice players, but you know, these are, how old are you? They're both like 19 year old yeah. guys. Like oh. and, and one, one gets a a lower ceiling. And, and I don't, I mean, I, I know the subtext, but it's hard to understand why some players just get a locked in ceiling compared mm-hmm. to others. It, it does boggle my mind. Like of the dudes who are likely to be lottery players, the only ones who are younger than Moody are Jonathan Kuminga um, Josh Giddy and Alperin Zengu. Um, so like, wh- why do we assume that Moses Moody isn't going to have some drastic improvements, uh, as we go along? And like, to your point, I feel like we have this same conversation every year with three and D players. Um, I don't think it's out of the question for Moses Moody to take some 
big leap in a couple of years. I think the clear and obvious, if he becomes that third best player on the roster, it would be because he's suddenly become a dynamic pull-up shooter. I think he flashed a little bit of that at Arkansas, less than I'd like, but by the end of conference season and definitely well into their tournament run, like he was the dude, the dude that the teams were just locking in on. Um, so I definitely think that there is a, uh, a, ca- a case to be made that he's getting a little bit underrated in terms of what his creation ability could be, especially when he's, especially if he's played next to two dynamic ball handlers. Um, and I'd say the same thing about Franz, like, why in the world people want to keep saying like, oh, Franz Wagner's a, a, a safe player, but he's never going to be that good. Like a six nine six ten dude with his intersection of dribble, pass, shoot, defend. Like, I know that he doesn't have the demeanor or the confidence of a uh, of an all star level player, but like, but that skill set's just never going to fall out in the NBA. And all it would take is just a little bit of self-creation growth and just a couple of go-to moves. And suddenly like his worth on offense will just skyrocket. So I I completely agree with you that it, it does. It boggles my mind that we have to say, well, the three and D guys, you know, they're, they're safe. Honestly, in this draft, to me, it's not really a safe versus raw player. It's more immediate impact versus project player. And I think both Moses Moody and Franz Wagner could come in, play 20 minutes a night, at least 20 minutes a night if uh, Luke Walton doesn't get in the way of that. Uh, While also being like, I, I don't think it's crazy to say that either one of those dudes could be the King's third best player in Three years. Yeah, right when Buddy Heald resigns, that's perfect. <laughs> perfect. Uh, I this yeah. the exact same conversation. Well, not on the defensive end, but um, it, it does take me back three years where we were really hoping that was Buddy Heald. There was clearly somebody else had to come in, uh, but Buddy Heald couldn't be that three. Not anymore. Yeah. More. You know. I'd be remiss, Nate, if we had you on and didn't talk about international prospects. And the hot topic, seeing some people say they would take them at nine. Um, I, I think 39 is where I'm at. Talk to me about Rocco Prakasin. I am not watching. Perkachin. Got it. I'm not watching games with the audio on, especially when I'm watching overseas guys like this. Yeah. So Perkachin. Got it. Talk to me about Rocco, Nate. Well, uh, I would say I'm, I'm maybe not a great expert on him, but you, you can discount for him also um, his measurables, you know, six, nine, I think he was two thirty four. He is just 18 years old. So he's going to be one of the youngest guys in the draft. Um, I believe he was uh, voted for the team captain, even though, you know, one of the youngest guys on the team. Um, I think for him, and maybe this is more of a comment too on, on the quality of competition in the Croatian league, um, although I think they played also in the Adriatic League, his his strength really strength was moving without the ball. I, I know that uh, he's got knocks on his defense, his, his developing shot, um, but I think they're again if you're looking for certain types in this draft, and these are all not the same player, but kind of 
similar expectation of role. Jalen Johnson, Kai Jones, Rocco, even even Kaminga in a way, they're all going to be probably your big forward doing a lot of different things. And Rocco, you know, he's still got to develop as a shooter, uh, but he's a really good rebounder. And so that, and he also has good, um, good, good steal and block percentages overseas. And you, you kind of, you, you, you have to almost, I don't know even know what's, if there's a good math equation for it, but you have to take in that those percentages tend to usually be lower overseas. Um, just, just because kind of the pace of play sometimes, you know, the kind of rotational minutes they get are lower, but he did average about 13 points at 18. So if he's there, that could be really nice. It, it does seem unclear whether he's as locked in on coming over next season. Um, I imagine that depends on the team and expectation of role, or, or does he take a, a leap in competition, go to a better league before coming over. And for some teams, that's, that is a really important part of, of team building strategy. I think you have to be really careful about how many super young players you have on your team, how many players you have developing abroad, what's your, what, what are the financials look like? And I think sometimes that's a thing that's kind of people forget, you know, you, sometimes you read some of the mock drafts and, um, and, and they folks will have a, a, a team taking more players than they can roster for next season. I have no idea how they think that that makes any sense. So I do have a, oftentimes a preference for some t- teams taking international players just because they just don't have the space for them. So uh, he, I think he's really intriguing. Uh, I know that there's probably, uh, you know, with the Thunder pick, um, I could see them just really debating based on their own kind of interest. Do they go Roko or Thor? And I, I, I love your guys' line just about Thor and a Thunder jersey makes just too much sense. So ticket sales right there or Jersey sales. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I even liked that pairing before that it clicked in my mind, just the marketing aspect of it. Cause like they're the type of team that's going to be like, Oh yeah, we'll totally take the lottery ticket with one of our bajillion picks. So I want to ask you, um, you know, we talked about wanting wings. There's a little bit of a gap at center for this team, right? Specifically if Rashawn Holmes doesn't come back, but even if he does, I think the backup center spot is still very much in the air. Um, I'd rather have Metu if you call him a five or Jones as your third big man. Um, But, you know, currently sitting at second, I I think there's definitely a hole there. Um, Point guard is kind of where you seem a little filled up, right? Fox Halliburton. Um, right is interesting. Um, but let's say that your starting lineup is Fox Halliburton alongside each other, which if it's not, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Um, and then you have right and buddy, uh, as your bench backcourt. Um, can you fit another point guard in there? Like I'm thinking of, you know, bones Highland, um, or, um, Josh Primo, if those guys fall, not, not specifically just point guards, but smaller guards. Do you think that there's room on this roster for another one of those? If the Kings were sitting at 39 and saying this guy is, you know, at least to them, one of, if not the best guy available. Well, it's funny because every time I look at a mock and I fall in love with the fit of like miles McBride in New York and uh, bones Highland and with the Hawks and then Chris Duarte with like the next Knicks pick and, Butler with the Lakers and each one just seems like the exact thing they need that that's taking away every other 
first round lock kind of guard. Um, so they just, they just kind of just keep getting washed away. And even just based on how kind of teams recent draft history, I could see like a Quentin Grimes going to the Suns. just, they, they sort of really want to just tap into the shooting. And so I kind of run out of guards that, uh, I like to spend that, that, that 39th pick on, um, like you said, I'd, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather double down on, on getting more wings. Um, there are, there are guards I like, you know, as a two-way option, um, like the three I mentioned before, um, Alvarado and, and McLaughlin and Ross. And I think that that frankly really does need to be a good priority. If we want this next wave of, of, of young Kings players, they really need to have a high level point guard in Stockton because if all of, all of our wings are having to kind of develop their own offense in Stockton, that's going to be really tough. There's going to probably be a little you, me going back and forth. Um, if I had to throw out a really like sleeper sleeper uh, two guard that I like, it was, is Matt Lewis out of James Madison. Um, I don't, I can't tell you the probably the last James Madison player that played in the NBA, uh, but just, he has a, just a really good shooting line. He's got good size. He's a good creator. Um, he's good at drawing fouls. Um, so he's probably my favorite too. That is actually not even in a lot of people's top 100. Partly that's him coming off of, uh, an injury. Um, I think he injured his knee, um, even, uh, before the season was done. So yeah, that, that's probably my favorite deep cut. And I'll just throw this out there. This, he's, um, he is not an archetype. I like at all. Uh, I call them lightning bug scorers. They're basically two guards and point guards bodies. And um, it's Isaiah Miller. Um, he is uh, he's out of UNC Green, Greensboro and he's only six feet tall, but he had 32 dunks this year. Like he is an all, all world athlete and he can't shoot, um, but he's a great rebounder, um, good defender, really interesting player. I don't see him as a great fit, but if you if you were to ask me who is like my favorite six foot or shorter player in this draft that is probably not going to get drafted, that would be a guy I would put out there. He also put up about between five to six um, unmade basket, unassisted uh, baskets per game, so he can he can get his own shot. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Nate Robinson, which would be a really good another good player to kind of have in your development system. Yeah, this is the part of the show where Nate drops names that uh, <laughs> two of our listeners have ever heard of because they happen to go to the same school as one of these guys or something. I uh, swear I'm not related to him either. And he's not. <laughs> you could, you re- honestly could have just made up some dude uh, at some point in this podcast. And I don't know that Brendan and I would have had any. Um, distrust in you and questioned it yeah, i really like this nunez kid from from nau <laughs> he's just really shining for me <laughs> yeah uh nate before we close out here man what are some of your like just strongest takes that you're really attaching yourself to in this draft like mine is that i think shangun is just a horrible defender and i don't think there's any escaping that i, I think that he's going to get abused <laughs> and attacked constantly in the league and i think it's going to like make it very difficult for him to be a positive uh, net player. And it's just going to take a lot of outweighing with, you know, the post game kind of has to translate on offense. Right. Um, so that, that it's like one of the takes I'm really attaching myself to, do you have any, you feel really strong about? 
So we, we talked a little bit about this before we hit record, but um, I just really do not, uh, I'm not a big fan for positionally small players. So Sharif Cooper, great assist numbers, but he can't shoot and he can't defend. And uh, I, I just don't, I, I just feel like the NBA, while, you know, the center is not dead. Some people thought it might be. Every other <laughs> position has gotten incrementally taller and it's just there's just so few i think when i crunched some numbers because this was about another player it was about actually about jose alvarado there are less than um like uh less than 30 players in the nba that were six 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 feet or shorter so hmm. i'm just i just you know yes there are outliers there's there's jj barrera there's all these all these players and they can they can carve out a great um career but i, I think they need to shoot and so Cooper don't like Cam Thomas. I just think he's kind of a selfish gunner. Um, and I, you need more creation out of a guard. Um, I would say those are the two players I'm definitely harshest on and probably any, any freshman that didn't produce uh, a BJ Boston and Greg Brown. I, I, I think I, I understand the, uh, the value of assessing uh, players in different roles at different at different ages. So, you know, looking at how they were uh, players were in high school or when they played for the national team. Um, but I think that teams, it, it's easy to forget as a fan that this is a business. And if you're not going to get NBA production out of a player until a year three or four, I mean, do you, do you assign, um, Think about Christian Wood. So if you knew what Christian Wood was going to be before he came out of the draft and you were totally sure of it, but it wasn't going to happen until year four, do, would you have still signed him knowing that that was the outcome? Or would you just go, I know it's going to happen. I'm going to wait until he figures it out. And then I'm going to sign him to a minimum and then sign him to a better deal later on. So I think that's probably also, you know, generally my biggest take, even like a Dacian Knicks to like, there's just so much work. And I think mm -hmm. oh, teams can only have so many projects on the roster at a time. Um, oh, uh, and I guess, I guess uh, I didn't mention him. I was uh, remiss. I just like friends. I just, I think we need a Belgium player in this league. <laughs> I think that more guys need to be like tweeting constantly when they're traveling, because I swear yeah. his stock has risen from all these fan bases just being like, Oh my God, this guy's saying he's blah, blah, blah here, there. I'm pretty sure he, he doesn't, hasn't turned down a lot of interview requests because even like relatively lesser known writers like got interviews with him. And yeah. I just think, so that, that probably tells you he's either incredibly savvy uh, or he just is, just says, desperate. why not? He, yeah, he, desperate knows, he, he knows that in the NBA draft, there's no bad press. Unlike the Kings. <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it it's gonna be a sad day even if the kings like manage to pull off a blockbuster on draft day there's gonna be a part of me that's pretty sad if they trade uh pick nine just because it's like there's they've successfully they've they worked out a whole bunch of dudes uh they've worked out moses moody they worked out alperin sangoon jalen johnson Zaire williams Corey kispert Kai jones Jaden springer Keon Johnson, like those are all dudes who we think are realistically in their range. They're bringing the guys in. They're they're ex exploring 
the dudes that I think they should have had conversations with. Um, so, but then, you know, they're also kind of diving deeper, at least the ones we know about. We keep talking about how the Kings are so tight lipped this year. So the only, only uh, second round dudes we know they've touched on our friends. I'm not even going to try to say his last name. Weinberg. Weinberg. Really? Yeah. It's yeah. that easy. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, can I ask I'm, you guys? Cause I think one of the, I, I feel like a lot of fans have been assuming that there's a big trade. Um, but I have a hard time figuring out who that player would be. I think oh, that's God. the issue. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think every single one of the uh, possibilities has already been discussed ad nauseum. Turner, so like, Siakam, Simmons, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Unless it's, unless it's something crazy like Ingram or Towns or something, but like you, those, those are so unrealistic as to not even be on a radar. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did. I didn't think that the Ingram one was really interesting because it didn't seem like it was as talked about, but I, Frankly, if it doesn't seem like a great fit in uh, New Orleans, mm-hmm. like Ingram's mm-hmm. game was Zion's game. The ball's kind of been taken out of Ingram's hand. He's he is a player that benefits from it. Um, but I, you know, I'm not really sure that the Pelicans need to add more of what the Kings would be offering. I think Robert yeah. Woodard is a perfect fit next to Zion. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Just kidding. I know he can't the fans leave Sacramento. In, yeah, the fans in New Orleans are clamoring for Buddy to come back. Yeah, until they get him. Well, but yeah, then they can then they can have <laughs> Buddy healed for the tenth uh, pick, and then we can draft our own uh, Brandon Ingram in Zaire Williams. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. All right, Nate. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. And we'll definitely have you on again. Probably do a big mock draft like we did last year. Um, before the draft happens here, which actually we only have a little over a week. I don't um, know what you're talking about. It's nine <laughs> days away. Yeah. This is sneaking up, sneaking up on me Dude, last draft oh, pro- no, cycle was 11. so long that I felt like I had more time with this draft and I have not. And I've just been no. like nonstop grinding recently because I feel like I'm so behind. Uh, I, I feel the exact same way. I have like three profiles I want to get out, and I yeah. absolutely need to watch Rocco Perkinson tape. Um, feel like I'm I'm behind the eight ball right now, so I truly appreciate uh, that our buddy Nate could come on and uh, introduce us to like thirty dudes I'd never heard of. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, uh, definitely anytime. And everybody be sure to check out Nate on Twitter as well. That's at journalist Nate on Twitter. Um, and also check out the, all the great work going on at the King's Herald. I'll have a Franz Wagner profile out soon. The Shen Gun one is up there. Um, Bryant will have a Kite Jones one. We have a mock draft going up there. All the other guys are putting up great work there all the time. Um, so check out Kings Herald for sure and take a look at the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.